Well, I hope you've had a wonderful week. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend. Uh, such a great day, Father's Day, as we remember, um, first and foremost, the Father that we all have. The Father who has always been there for us, has always um, shepherded us, has always been good to us, even in times where we weren't so good to Him, perhaps. I was reading through just, I was driving, so I was letting my Bible app play for Second Timothy Titus, and somewhere in there it says uh, a, little, a little mantra that Paul brings up, and it says, um, even when we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. And I just, man, such an amazing truth that even in the most of, or in the midst of uh, my most faithless times, that God was there working for my good. So we're just thankful for God our Father, and we're thankful for the fathers he gave us, for the lessons we've learned through that, and uh, for some, even the lessons they learned about him through not having a father. Um, and that's a hard thing to be, to be thankful for sometimes, but we rejoice. So today, what we're going to talk a little bit about is, um, in some sense, keeping our eyes on our Father. We're going to be in Colossians 3, verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 4, mainly. But we're going to talk about a heavenly pursuit. We're going to talk about what is it that we're pursuing in our hearts and our minds and uh, what is it that God has called us to pursue? So before we even, um, well, let me go ahead and just read through this passage real quick. Starting in verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So let's just, let's just pray real quick as we begin. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this time with my beloved brothers and sisters. And Jesus, I pray that you would just move through this church, Lord. That you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Holy Spirit, that you would have your way, that you would just let me uh, get out of the way, Lord, and speak whatever message you have for your people this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So as we consider this, uh, this scripture passage, though, um, there's a question that I've found myself asking many, many, many people in the recent months. And that question is, what is the gospel? What is the, the gospel is the good news, right? Absolutely, the good news of Jesus Christ. But I've been asking people, Christians and non-Christians alike, explain to me what is the gospel. And I've realized that that's been such an important question for me. It's been such an important question for the ministry God has called me to and for being able to lead people really in a life lived for Jesus Christ because today, America, they have made the, the church a corporate system, right? We run the church like a business. We put things in a nice order, and we want everything to be cookie cutter for everyone's life. You know, here's a system. Use the system. If the system doesn't work, use this system. If you have a question, here's this system for that answer. And everything is just real well organized. And because of that, 
we have this idea that we really just need to make the church friendly, right? Like the easier it is and the friendlier we are, the better Christians will be and the more people will want to come on in. And the result of that has been a watered down gospel. So typically when we hear the gospel presented or when I hear the gospel presented out in the street or through these various uh, programs, what I hear is, you know, you just, you come as you are, right? God loves you, and you just, look, if you just raise your hand right now, we'll pray for you, give your life to Jesus, and you will be saved. He will love you forever. You won't have to worry about hell. You'll be, you'll, you'll be with him, you know, and your life will be good. And um, I think the worst part about this gospel presentation is that it's mostly particularly true. It's mostly true However, when we look at how the gospel is presented in the scriptures, the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented with a purpose. It's presented with power, and it's presented with a promise. Yet in today's culture, in our cookie-cutter system, we've presented the promise of scripture, the promise of the gospel, of eternal life, of a life you know, to know God intimately, but we have cut out the purpose of God's calling us, and we have cut out the power of God to save sinners. To the point that we don't really even need to talk about sin, because, you know, calling someone a sinner, that's not going to make them feel very good. Guys, I was a sinner, and Jesus had to save me. And if it was not for the power of God, the evident, real power working in my life, I would be just as lost as anyone out there, and there would be nothing that I could do about it. The good news is that God is real, and he's evident, and he's working, and he's calling people into a kingdom where he is going to make them spirit-filled servants and witnesses of his kingdom. The good news is he's not just going to come into your life and save you and make everything nice. No, he's going to strip your life from you. He's going to make you new. You're going to be born from above by the Holy Spirit of God. And you're going to have a purpose so amazing that you would have never even asked for it for, for, for yourself. For yourself. The life I live, I never would have known I wanted until God gave me it. And the life I live, I would trade for nothing. And I look at the fruitless, foolish pursuits and desires and dreams that I had in my life, and I think back on how worthless they were and how horrible it would have been if God would have given me everything I wanted. What a horrible fate that would have been to live well through life and die with nothing and spend an eternity in hell. There's nothing good in that. There's nothing good in that. But there is power and there is purpose in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is the promise. In fact, let me turn to it. I want to, this really wasn't part of, this this part wasn't really part of my message, but it is now. So we're going to rock it out. I want you to redefine your understanding of the gospel message this morning. Because if we don't redefine the purpose of the gospel message in our life, the rest of my sermon will really be useless I want you to listen to how Peter, in Acts chapter 2, Peter declares the gospel. 
And he describes it in a way that the American church, and I don't know about the rest of the world, you know, I've been to Moldova, you know, that's about it. (laughs) I don't know. But I know that as I have traveled throughout Texas and to various places around the U.S., and I've met pastors and ministers, that I don't hear this gospel being preached very much. And Peter, after he stood up and he declared the reality of who Christ was and the work that he did on the cross, and that we are guilty of our sin because it was our sin that put the Son of God there in the first place, there was a power that the Holy Spirit coming upon Peter produced in his words. A power in verse 37. Well, let's just start in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when you read through, if you go back in your own time, read through Acts chapter 2, look at the sermon Peter preaches. It is not extravagant. There is no, you know, amazing, you know, analogies and stories. It's just straight cut Jesus. But there was power in his words. And it says in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Guys, that is what the the gospel is supposed to do. It's not supposed to make you feel good because if you need the gospel, the reality of your life is you are dead in sin just like we once were. The power of God in the foolishness of preaching is supposed to cut through your blindness and expose you to yourself and expose you to the beauty and the magnitude of, this God, of who this God is. And then in the bewilderment of that moment, come with the promise that Jesus loves you and has saved you if you will simply entrust your life to him. So there is a, a, a power and there is a promise, but there is also a purpose. And we'll get to that. They said, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. And in verse 38, it says, then Peter said to them, now this is a good gospel message right here. Repent, change your mind, move away from what you know as your life. And let every one of you be baptized. That's an open confession of Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, I want you to notice there is no period there. There is no period there. Today, we preach the gospel and we say, repent, believe, be baptized, you're good, and we put a period. There is no period there. And he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, this promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The power of God is his promise to you, this intimate relationship. When Jesus died, there was an issue he was solving There was this issue that we, as men and women, because of our sin, were separated from God. We were eternally cut off. And we see that in the law and the sacrifices, in the temple. 
You couldn't go into the holy place unless you were perfect, unless you were a Jew, unless you were a man. If you're a woman, you could only get so far. If you had a defect, you could only get so far. If you were a Gentile, you could only get so far. And even if you were a perfect, outstanding Jewish citizen, you could only get so far. And there was still this separation between you and the holiness of God. And Jesus came and he gave his life to solve that problem that because of his righteousness and his fulfillment of our debt on the cross, that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only acceptable sacrifice that brings us back into relationship with God. That when that veil tore, that that separation was done. And it was at that moment that God could be with us. But that was not it. God sought to prove his promise. He sought to prove his promise. And the fact that if there was no separation now, if Romans 8.1, if, if Romans 8.1 is true, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, God proved his promise that all who believed after the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. And now, when someone is inspired by God in faith and they receive him into his life, that the Holy Spirit comes upon them and seals them. And how do you get any closer to God than him living in you? And he has proved that that separation is no more. And of course, Romans tells us what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Not death, not angels, not demons. Nothing can separate us from this perfect love of Jesus because he has paid it all. He has finished the work. And it's interesting, I, I believe, just a side note, I believe it's in uh, Acts 10 when he's preaching to the Gentiles. I, I believe he presents the gospel message pretty much the same way. The Holy Spirit's going to come, bless them, their families. The Holy Spirit falls on them. However, now if we are in Christ, if we are in Christ, we have been born again. That is the promise of God. That is the proof of our salvation. The Holy Spirit has come to live with us. However, there is this slight issue in the day-to-day -day reality and experience of that salvation. And it's the fact that the Holy Spirit came in is bueno. Very good, right? Muy bueno. But until the day of Christ, there is still this fallen, pinchable thing called the flesh. Called the flesh. And it's wicked. It's by its nature sinful by its nature, an enemy against God. However, we have victory over it and we have been empowered to walk in the likeness of God rather than our old ways. Behold, all things have become new. So there is now something not that can separate us in any way from the love and the person of God, but that can separate us from the reality of his blessing and the understanding of his will. There is something that can separate you 
Not from the promise or the power of God, but from the purpose of the gospel in your life. And do you know what that is? You. Me. The only thing that can stand between me and the ultimate purpose of God's calling is me. And my choices, and really my pursuits, my pursuits. You know, in James, it talks about um, sin and the reality of sin and how sin comes forth and it produces death. And do you know where sin begins? Yes, in the heart, but James says that we sin when we are drawn away by our own desires and we are enticed. Desire, desire. It's this, this thing that we, this, this cursed earth that we live in that's just clawing and, and whispering to us, oh, come over here, oh, go over here, oh, just entertain this. That is an enemy of God. And there are the desires of our heart really is synonymous with, it's a pursuit. There is this pursuit that can happen in our head and in our hearts that is contrary to the will of God. To the will of God. And we have to understand that. We have to be conscious of that if we want to experience the power and the purpose of the gospel, that God has saved us, and he saved us for a reason. He saved us not one day, he saved us now from sin and death. He saved us now from fruitless works. He saved us now from depression and anxiety and every fallible, tainted thing. If we will simply look to him and follow him. And for those of you who have heard my testimony probably a hundred times, you know, the biggest thing that I had to come to realize was, yes, I knew Jesus. I had experienced the Holy Spirit, but when someone said, follow Jesus, I had no idea what they were talking about. How did you follow someone you could not see? Colossians 3, 1 through 4, and, and, and very other, various other places in this New Testament, but here is just where the Holy Spirit led me, is going to help us solve this problem. And it says, if then, and it's very important that we point out these ifs, because you'll see it in Paul's writing, and I catch it probably because I also preach and teach, that you never really know the reality of the audience you're speaking to. Typically, if you walk into a church of 100 people, there's not 100 saved people in that church. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Did you know the scriptures tell us that our current residence is actually in heaven? That we are present spiritually before the throne of God? that we have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. There's also a verse in Matthew that we're going to put up on the screen so you don't have to turn there. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, Jesus himself 
tells us this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There, where, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I've, I've worked in like, I've done everything, right? I've done sales. I've done MLMs. I've done management, right? Design, not much construction. I did AC ins- installation. I, I've just done a, all kinds of crazy stuff, right? I've taught martial. I just pretty much everything I w- felt like doing, I kind of just was moved by the wind and did for a while. And... Um, you know, there's something that's pretty common in any, any career field that if you really want it, if you really want to succeed, if you really want to be the best, you've got to do all these things and you've got to know all this stuff, you've got to do all these trains, you've got to go out. And basically what, especially in the sales world and the, market, the multi-level marketing world, they sell you all these things and what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the focus of your life this goal, right? This diamond status where you get the Mary Kay Escalade or whatever it is, right? You've seen those drive. Hey, some people do it, right? But they want to make this work and these promotions and all these things the desire of your heart because once you get focused in, they know that you'll, you'll slowly start to leave everything else out of you. You'll start pushing things over. You'll start making sacrifices. And if they can get you to just sell your heart to that vision that you'll run after it, and ultimately, the head honchos are getting paid rather you succeed or fail in the long run. They don't really care as long as you're making money for them along the way. Now, the kingdom of God is kind of like an MLM. <laughs> but Jesus is good and the benefits he does not need for himself. Um, he owns everything, but he allows us to partner in the kingdom work. And he gives us fulfillment and purpose as children of God. He says, I don't just call you servants, I call you friends. And I'm letting you know all the things that I'm doing so that you can be a part of this work with me. And he's not trying to to kind of like subvertly, uh, subconsciously, you know, coach us into um, giving things up for something that's not really going to fulfill us. No, he's just giving an open invitation to the only thing that will ever satisfy you, the only thing that will ever fulfill you, which is walking in the purpose which God has called you to. And in order to find that, and in order to pursue that, we have to make a mental check on what am I focused on? Where are the desires of my heart going? You know, we all probably have this nice little pie chart, right? Like for me, um, I'm going to hope that there's a, you know, the majority of that is just Jesus. We're just, you know, I'm just going to put a hope on that. And, uh, but in there, there's, you know, tacos, uh, breakfast tacos. Um, on the weekends when I got nothing to do, you know, movies, this, you know, um, 
little things like, I want to learn to paint. Anybody here want to learn to oil paint? I don't know why. I just want to learn to paint, right? I like paint. So there's all these, there's these things that I like and enjoy in this life, and God made the world, and he called it good. The world is, his creation was good. It has just simply been tainted, and there's nothing wrong with some of these desires and some of these pursuits. The question is, the question is, how are you setting up your priorities? How are you setting up your priorities? If we could see a nice little data flow of what goes in and out of your head, you know, what is the ratio between being concerned with and asking for God to reveal his will to you so you can walk in it and all the other things of life? All the other things of life. Because I think we forget that when Jesus was walking in his ministry and declaring the gospel, that guy was crazy. If I walked around today on the streets and just talked to people like Jesus did, man, y'all see my face in newspaper articles, in and out of, I mean, they would, I would be nuts. Jesus was not looking for fans. He was looking for Followers follower, people that were going to join him in his ministry. And even as the fans built up and he had thousands of people following him, he would just say things like, you know, if you're not willing to forsake your own family, you can't follow me. You got to choose. If you're not willing, oh, you, you, you've got a family business with your father over there fishing, all oh, that looks nice. Hey, how about you drop those nets and just come this way? And they had to choose. The young man said, you know, what do I have to do to have eternal life? You know, I've done all these things. And he said, oh, you're a rich guy, right? Okay, well, you know, just go sell all your money and then come follow me. Or, you know, sell all your goods and come follow me. And that young man walked away sad. Now, I'm not saying you have to be poor and destitute without a job and family, <laughs> but there has to be a priority of what is really important and what are you seeking? Because if you are seeking the Lord and he does say, hey, leave your family and go, man, there should be joy to do that. Maybe a little pain, sorrow, right? I love my family, but there should be a joy it's because God is calling me. And Paul is telling us, that that is the mind that we need to have. That if our treasure and our life, if we understand that it's Christ, that it's Jesus, it's an eternal kingdom, that all, guys, all of this is going to fade away. Sometimes I'll be driving by and I'll be looking up at this building like, oh my gosh, that's nice. You know, this, this great church or this great this, or I'll see, you know, the Corvette stingrays going by and I'm like, ooh. And I hear in my head, not one stone will be left on another. Now, Jesus was talking about the temple, but at the end of times, everything you see is going to melt away. And if the desires of our heart and minds, if what we're concerned, if, if the, the majority of our focus is on earthly things that are tainted, that are temporary, what reward will we have when we see the Father face to face? 
Guys, you, we, we need to be about, you know, we got to work. We got to have finances and things, and we need to be about the Father's good works. But if work is what consumes our life, and we just tag Jesus on, and there's nothing where our hands and our hearts are dedicated to serving others for the sake of the gospel, what reward will we have before the Father? Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. We're, real quick before we get into verse 2. I also want you to know that this came in the midst of like birthday parties and Memorial Day. And like I hadn't even touched the Bible in like a week, right? And like I'd been like window shopping stuff. Like I wasn't even going to buy. I'm just like, ooh, yeah. You know, I'm looking at all these things, right? And I was just lost. And I was like, you know, I really need to open the Word of God. And I, I got one verse. And then someone messaged me asking about the Bible, how to answer all these questions. Never got to read. You know what the one verse was in the midst of just like lollygagging and look at all this stuff? This one. <laughs> and that one verse was enough <laughs> for my day to seek the things which are above. And it was just... It was good. He follows that up with set your mind on things above, not, and he, he, he defines it, not on the things of this earth. For you died. Now you're like, I didn't die. No, 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 no. If you were born again by the Spirit of God, if you went into that water and you came up in the name of Jesus, whoever you thought you were, whatever you thought you lived for, stayed in the water. And it's your job to leave it there. The power and purpose of God is Jesus coming in and redefining for you who you are supposed to be because you have no idea. And if your life, your vision, and what you're calling is defined by you and your desires, I have a bet that it's probably not that fruitful. And I don't say that to be mean. I just say that because I know for a fact that it's true. From the scriptures and from my own experience. You died and your life, your new life, your eternal life is hidden in Christ. And I love that phrase because there's, there's what I would call, and we're, we're getting to the end of the message here, so stay with me, but... There's what I would call a duality of Scripture. And it's kind of just my own phrasing there. And what I mean by that, there are some things like the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is true today for the poor in spirit. But it will ultimately be fulfilled when we see the, the Father face, we step into the kingdom, right? And so there's, in some, some areas, the Old Testament prophets, they'd be prophesying judgment, and it's a judgment that like in 10 years was going to happen. But yes, it's also a prophecy in some sense of the end days prophecy. So there's this duality in here. I, I see that same thing, that, that my life is hidden in Christ, in God. And yes, it says next that when Christ appears, the fullness of my life, which is not now, this is nothing. The fullness of my life will appear with him. And I will have joy forevermore. However, what I have, is, have experienced is that day by day as I, oh, I have to kind of wrench my mind off of all these worldly foolish things and put them on Christ. As I have to separate myself to seek the Father, to pray, and to say, okay, this is what I think I'm doing. What do you really want me to do? 
And as I draw closer to the Lord, he reveals more and more of my true life and his purpose for my calling day by day. And it's just more joy, more joy, more joy as I seek him and he reveals it to me. And then I know my, my hope, my expectation is that one day I'll see it in full. I'll see it in full, but he has it for you today as well. So I just want to encourage you all this morning to think about what has been racing through your minds. What has been racing through your hearts? If there was no church, no Bible study, if there was no worship service, would there be any singing in your life to Jesus? Would there be any rejoicing? Would there be any praise, any prayer? Would there be any spiritual nourishment from God because you're lifting your eyes up on your lunch break as you're working in the morning, in the evening? What is your pursuit? What course are you pursuing? And is it heavenly? So guys, join me um, in praying And let's ask the Lord, because I need it so terribly, that he would just help us to set our minds on him in a new way, and that he would reveal the purpose and the power of his calling in our life this week. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you for the patience of the saints, Lord God, Um, as we endure this earth, Father, and uh, uh, just the patience of the people here as they listen to me speak. And Father God, I'm just so grateful, Lord, that you saved me even from myself. That you called me, but you didn't leave me where you called me, Father. That you have drawn me near. And I pray this week that you would draw us all nearer and nearer to your heart, Lord God. That we would see, Father God, that every, everything we push aside for you, Father, that worth it, isn't even a good enough description. Lord, that our life is truly in you and we only find it as we look up and seek you. So Jesus, just bless us, Lord. Let us leave here encouraged with fire, Lord, with a joy to know you more and teach us to declare that same gospel, Lord, which once saved us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.